0: The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. We're glad you found us. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome to Truth Transforms. Join in for spiritually enlightening discussion and the practical application of new thought principles. Here's your host, Reverend Galen McDowell. Welcome to Truth Transforms. I'm your host, Galen McDowell, and I am the Senior Assistant Minister and Executive Minister at Christ Universal Temple in Chicago, Illinois, where the Reverend Dr. Derek B. Wells is the Senior Minister and the Reverend Dr. Johnny Coleman is the Founder. If you've been listening to the show for a while, you know that we're in the midst of a series titled Secrets of the Millionaire Mind, which is based on a book of the same title by T Harv Eker. I'm really enjoying this book and uh, and I think this book has so many insights. I've just been taking my time to teach it. I you know, I, my original intention was to, you know, maybe do a you know, 6 weeks or something like that or maybe even four weeks because the book isn't that big, less than 200 pages, but it still has me wrapped up. And I want to make sure that you get out of it what you need. Now, this book is really good. And I strongly suggest that you get the book secrets of the millionaire mind by T Harv Ecker. I don't know T Harv Ecker. I don't get anything from his book sales, I believe in putting material in people's hands that will empower them to do what they desire to achieve the goals they desire to produce the results they desire. And I believe that this is one of the books that you can use to get the results you desire. That's what it's about. So this book isn't about being a super mystic. This book isn't about, you know, finding, you know, you know, Christ consciousness this book is very clear about the inner game of wealth what are the the laws mental and spiritual and he only dabbled with the spiritual a little bit but he focuses on how you need to think the psychology of wealth so if you can just keep that in mind that this particular book is specifically about the psychology of wealth you'll get it now to the book Last week, I left off on, uh, I believe I was teaching wealth file number 10. And um, there's a couple of things that I just want to come go, run over really fast on page 118 and 119 and 120 before we go forward. He asked a question, what good do you do for poor people by being one of them? Whom do you help by being broke? Aren't you just another mouth to feed? Wouldn't it be more effective for you to create wealth for yourself and then be able to help others from a place of strength instead of weakness? Now, he isn't the first person to say this. You know, back in the 1930s, Charles Fillmore wrote that it's a sin to be poor. And I'm sure he took all of the flack for writing a statement like that because it's so c- contrary to what people think. Anyway, uh, con how do I want to say this? Okay, so when you say it's a sin to be poor, you're not saying that a person is morally wrong. What the word sin in in Hebrew means to miss the mark. So he's saying, what Charles Wilmer was saying in the 30s was, you are one with the source of all good. Therefore, it is missing the mark not to have the things you need to live a better life. You know, so I think it's really important to to make that differentiation. Reverend Ike was saying in the '70s that the best way to help poor people is not be one of them, and people was would get upset with him for saying that statement. He would say it over and over again. But Les Browngate, who is also a friend of Reverend Ike, who who told me that he said to Ike, um, you know. He knew Ike very well. He's told me a lot of stories about Johnny Coleman and Reverend Ike. They were like brothers and sisters. But um, in the midst of these stories, he was just telling, you know, like Ike would stand on those type of statements. You know, best way to help poor people is not be one of them. But the, the, the context of that statement was it's easier to pull somebody out of the hole than it is to be in the hole with them and push them out. If you want to be able to make the impact that you want to be able to make in life, you have to put yourself in a position to where you can maximize your help. You know, it's sort of like what's happening with the gun lobbying in America. Every time somebody shoots uh, up a school or store or whatever, people say, you have my thoughts and prayers. And that's good. Thoughts and prayers are good. But can we work with some laws to get some things changed? Sooner or later, you have to put yourself in a position to where action happens. All right. So if you want to be in a position of power to take action properly, then you have to, to make sure that you get out first, that you empower yourself first, and then you go forward. All right. So help from your strength. If you if you have things you want to be, that you believe in that you want to support. That you want to uh help make an impact in the world, whether that's a ministry that's a non for profit or any other organization or some political strategy or whatever, then it would be great to be able to have some money to support what you believe in you know during the civil rights era there you know with Martin Luther King and many others. There were businessmen and women in the black community and black churches that were helping to fund the civil rights agenda. I mean, because people had to get on planes, people had to, you know, uh, stay in hotels, people had to eat, people, you know, had to travel by bus and train or, or plane or whatever. It was a real thing. People had to rent spaces. People, it, it, it wasn't just supported by thoughts and prayers. And if you have things you believe in, it could be with your family, with your children going to school or or turning, giving them a business or turning over the, uh, you know, wealth to another generation. You have to put yourself in a position to be able to do it anyway. Next thing that I want to cover, page 119. He wrote a statement, T. Harv Eckers wrote, money will only make you more of what you already are. Because sometimes people say, well, money will change me. Okay. But if, if you are a jerk with money, it's a high level chance that you have some jerk tendencies and you are being a jerk about other things before the money. It'll make you more of what you already are. A compassionate person is a compassionate person. Now, if you allow something to change you, then that potential was always there, and that's something you have to address from a character standpoint. Because sometimes people do things or don't do things uh, based upon a lot of factors. So you have some folks who really think and think a certain kind of way, but they don't. They hold back from behaving that way publicly, at least, because of perception. But when they stop caring, for whatever reason, then you see the real person, the authentic, and I don't mean spiritually authentic, I mean the authentic self, far as character is concerned. So don't worry about money changing you. You just have, you just have to be mindful that you are the master of money, money doesn't master you. I am the master of money, money doesn't master me. All right. So then he talks about being a good receiver. And this is important, very important, because he says, first, begin to nurture yourself. Remember, people are creatures of habit, and therefore you have to consciously practice receiving the best life has to offer. All right. And he talks about having, you know, some designated funds in a play account, which I'll talk about later, either on this show or the next show where you can use money to nurture yourself, you know, whatever it is, where you just do something for yourself. All right. He says the idea of this account is to help you validate your worthiness and strengthen your receiving muscle. So if you're always doing stuff for everybody else and you don't do something for yourself or you don't allow other people to do things for you, what what ends up happening is your receiving muscle isn't strong. So when people try to do things for you, many times you turn it down. As I have stated on this show before, some people want God to bless them with millions of dollars and can't accept somebody paying for lunch. Some people can't even accept a compliment. You have to develop that uh, receiving muscle. All right. Second, on page 120 says, I want you to practice going crazy with excitement and gratitude. Anytime you find or receive any money. So what he's trying to do is invoke an expectation and, and a feeling and, and invoke the feeling nature to get involved with this process that it's important for you to recognize that, as Reverend Ike stated, feeling gets the blessing. So if you're indifferent towards money, money will be indifferent towards you. Not, not that money is a quote-unquote thing, but money from the standpoint of consciousness becoming form. Anything that you're indifferent towards has a tendency to be indifferent towards you. Anything you tend not to pay attention to tends to end up getting attention from somebody else. If you know, I'm sure there are people that are listening to this show that either have experienced being a person who did not pay attention or became indifferent towards somebody you were dating or married to or whatever, and that dramatically affected the relationship or potentially ended it. Or you were on the other end where you wanted the attention from somebody and they were being indifferent towards you. Well, that's what ends up happening. You have to keep your mind and your excitement on that which you desire to experience. Back to the book. All right. He wrote that if you are a poor receiver, page 20, if you are a poor receiver and somehow fall into a substantial amount of money, chances are it will be gone quickly. Again, first to the enter, then the outer. First, expand your receiving box. Then watch as the money comes in to fill it. All right. So just be mindful that you have to work on your ability to receive. You have to work on your ability to receive. Next time somebody compliments you, just say thank you. If a person is genuine and they want to help, you know, you know say, hey, let me take, Let me breakfast is on me or lunch is on me or dinners on me or let me take you out to grab some grub and it's authentic and it's nothing shady or whatever or somebody trying to manipulate or use you or any other, um, you know, under the table actions, then allow them to bless you. Why? Because you are developing your receiving muscle. It's important. Now, obviously, you deal with it with gratitude, you deal with it with thanksgiving, you deal with it with appreciation, but you allow it to happen. All right. So page 121, he wrote, if you are a poor receiver, you are a poor receiver in all areas. The good news is that when you become an excellent receiver, you will be you will be an excellent receiver everywhere and open to receiving all that the universe has to offer in all areas of your life. All right. So he has a declaration. I am an excellent receiver. I am open and willing to receive massive amounts of money into my life. He said, that's when you place your hand on your heart and state that. Then he said, touch your head and say, I have a millionaire mind. All right. So he gives some exercises that you can look at yourself on page 122. Cause I'm going to jump over to, to wealth file number 11 and I get caught up in these questions. I mean, not these questions, these millionaire mind actions. Wealth file number 11, rich people choose to get paid based on results. Poor people choose to get paid based on time. All right. So, um, He says, there's nothing wrong with getting a steady paycheck, page 123, unless it interferes with your ability to earn what you're worth. There's the rub. It usually does. He goes on to say, poor people prefer to be paid a steady salary or hourly wage. They need the security of knowing exactly the same amount of money is coming in at the exact same time, month in, month out. What they don't realize is that the security comes with a price and the cost is wealth. Well, this is one of the things that I think we as a society really have to wrestle with in life, including myself, because people are conditioned very early get a job, not find ways to start your business, be an entrepreneur, create your own business, find multiple streams of income. That's not the conversation. And money is not taught, and I'm talking about money, I'm talking about personal finance and and career success aren't taught, money and career success aren't taught at almost any level of life, you know, so you can go to school including right through college and never learn unless you are studying specifically something about, you know, business management accounting, et cetera, you, you never learn how to deal with and wrestle with money. And even if you take those subjects, especially unless it's business management or whatever, you're not necessarily learning how to be an entrepreneur and what it means to run a business. Sometimes even in, in those situations and circumstances, people just take on a job. And that's how we were trained. We're not trained to think how to wrestle with this subject. And I think it's important because you will psychologically default into what you've been trained to do. You know, and I I look back and think back now on some things my mom said to me when I was a kid. And my mother told me that she never saw her parents work for people. That statement now as an older man not an old man just an older man really stands out she never saw her parents work for anyone my my grandparents were entrepreneurs they were real estate owners they were business owners you know my grandfather drove a cab in between the times with between the real estate and the business stuff with my grandmother you know, with the brains behind the outfit and he was to fix it and could do anything to make the systems work. And I realize now just how radical that was, especially in 2019. It was probably more necessary back then because black people in America weren't getting the jobs. So many people had to create their own way. What ends up happening now is the educational system is not producing boss mentality people. The school system teaches you to get in line and get into the system that will not necessarily produce wealth for you. So it's important to recognize that and if I had to be paid based upon my results at my current job, what would that look like for me? Because some people will do minimal work for just enough to get by so they can keep their jobs. There's no other way for me to say it. I can remember, and this is not... uh, Anti-union statement because I used to be in a union and I'm actually and I actually believe in them However, I remember when I was working in a grocery uh, Grocery store Work for Dominic's finer foods in Chicago, which is now out of business Corporation after Safeway bought them and it kind of uh, It kind of crashed the car into the wall. But anyway the I can remember being a young cashier and I was really personable. People would want to get in my line. I would, I knew the families, so I would talk to them. I was exceptionally fast. We used to have a th- thing where um, they had a thing called items per hour, you know, and that was the way they could tell pace. So my items per hour was almost double of everybody that was working primarily my shift. And because of the system, I was stuck in a process where where I couldn't get my next raises because I couldn't average the amount of hours I needed because the system was created to where they could a person could what we would call bump your hours between Thursday, four o'clock and Thursday, Friday, four p.m., Thursday, four p.m., Friday, four p.m. The schedule would drop Thursday, four p.m. by Friday, four p.m. It was settled. But between that, anybody that was over you. Uh, scare, you know, far as seniority was concerned, they could reach down and snatch hours. It was a part of the union contract. So you would have to do the same. And one of the things that it dawned on me was man, the managers love me. The customers love me. My items per hour are fast. I'm efficient. And all these other people are getting paid more than me. And I can't even make my next, you have to average a certain amount of hours every three months to get your next raise and I couldn't get my raises and I was like this doesn't make sense so I had to figure out another way to get around that which of course I did but my point is look at your effort and ask yourself from a scale of 1 to 10 based on results what would you grade yourself just the results like I'm how efficient am I at doing what I do, whether it's your business or your work, because that'll start changing your mind around getting results. Some people will work a lot of time and they don't get a lot of results. What are the results that you're producing? He gives these examples in the book. He. um He wrote. Rich people prefer to get paid based on results that they produce. If not totally, then at least partially. Rich people usually own their own business in some form, or their investors, or etc. He goes on to say, Rich people believe in themselves. This is page 124. They believe in their value and their ability to, to deliver it. Poor people don't. That's why they need guarantees. So he tells a story about this woman, and I'm going to read it just because I think the story's so good and I can see both positions why this woman would want to be paid this and at the same time I can see his position from a different level of thinking he wrote recently I dealt with a public relations consultant who wanted me to pay her a fee of $4,000 per month I asked her what I received for my $4,000 $4,000 she replied that I'd see at least 20000 of coverage per month in the media I said What if you don't produce those results or anything close to it? She answered that she would still be putting in the time, so she deserved to get paid. I replied, I'm not interested in paying you for your time. I'm interested in paying you for a specific result. And if you don't produce that result, why should I pay you? On the other hand, if you produce even greater results, you should get paid more. Tell you what? I'll give you 50% of whatever media value you produce. According to your figures, that would mean paying you $10,000 per month, which is more than double your fee. He goes on to write. Did she go for it? Nope. Is she broke? Yup. And she will be for the rest of her life until she figures out that to get rich, you need to be paid based on results. Then he drops the bomb. Poor people trade their time for money. The problem with this strategy is that your time is limited. This means that you will invariably end up breaking wealth rule number one, which states never have a ceiling on your income. If you choose to get paid for your time, you're pretty much killing your chances for wealth. Something to think about. Uh, something to think about. I just want that to be present to you. So, I'm looking at um, the time, and it's almost time for me to give start giving my commercial. So, um, let me give my commercial so we can go forward. So, remember that this show, along with all the other shows on Unity Online Radio, are supported by your donations. So, as you freely receive freely to give. My request is that you go to Unity online, unityradioonline.org or the shortcut unity.fm and click on the donate button and help support this online ministry that goes all over the world teaching people the principles of spiritual transformation. I also want to re- let you know or inform you that this show has a Facebook page, Truth Transforms with Reverend Galen McDowell. My request is that you like the page and give it a five-star review and write a positive, five-star rating rather, and write a positive review. This show is also on Apple Podcasts and the Stitcher app. Stitcher is S-T-I-T-C-H-E-R. My request yet again is to give it a five-star rating and write a positive review. It helps with the algorithms. It gets it out in front of people. Also, to remind you that you can watch the Christ Universal Temple live stream from at www.cu.temple.org or on our YouTube page, CU Temple, or on our app, Christ Universal Digital, which is available on in the Apple App Store or the Google Play Store. And on that app, we also have what we call the Coleman Archives, which is archives of uh, classic Johnny Coleman sermons. So I just want you to be mindful of all of that. And so you can do what you need to do. We're going to take our break and we'll be right back with Truth Transforms. experience the difference unity online radio the voice of an awakening world welcome back to truth transforms with your host reverend galen McDowell. welcome back to truth transforms i'm in the midst of teaching the book the secrets of the millionaire mind so let's get back to it so We're talking about getting paid based upon results and not just time. We have to be careful about time because you can, you know, if you're going to do something with time, you know, do it with intention to create freedom, not just to do it. For instance, you know, one of the things that Dave Ramsey talks about when people are seeking to get out of debt Sometimes they pick up a second job, they do whatever, they get out of debt, they stack up their emergency fund, they, they get their you know investment stuff rolling, whatever, and then they pull out of that of, of the you know working themselves to death mentality just to make it. So they're doing it with intention. And the intention would have been, or is rather, to make sure that they're producing the results that they desire. And, and so what they're just doing is an infusion of cash to make sure that that process happens. So there might be times where you have to do it in, in shorter spurts. But what he's trying to help us understand, T. Harv Eker, is the psychology behind it. That, you know, you can be a person who's, who's, who's working 24-7 and, be, and you're broke. You can be a person that's working 24-7 because you love it and you can be rich. You could be a person that is working shorter amount of hours and and have, but you're more efficient in what you do, versus a person who is working a lot of hours and and isn't. You know, one of the things that, as a basketball fan, I'm just going to use this analogy and I move on. And in basketball, there's a term called um, high volume scorer, which basically means. They have a high usage rate. they shoot the ball a lot. they hold the ball a lot. they dribble the ball a lot, but they have um low field goal percentage normally they they shoot a lot of shots, but they don't score efficiently in other words, they don't you know when when they touch the ball, either they're scoring or somebody else is scoring consistently and efficiently so there are some players who are considered great players throughout NBA history, but they were high volume scorers. They shot a lot. They had low field goal percentages, uh, even though they had the ball a lot, you know, versus, say, for instance, a Michael Jordan, who was a high volume scorer, but he was highly efficient. What do I mean by that? He had a high shooting rate, shooting percentage, rather. In other words, when he got the ball, he was either scoring, he was getting fouled, going to the free-throw lane, he was creating open opportunities for assists, or what they call the hockey assist, the pass that leads to the pass. And what that did was it allowed his teams to be more efficient. So even though he shot a lot, he was exceptionally efficient, where there were some people who shot a lot who weren't efficient. And there are people who work a lot who don't have any money. And there are people who work a lot who do. And there are people who don't work as much and they're efficient. And there are people who don't work a lot and they don't have anything. we got to deal with the psychology of wealth, the psychology of money, and really get that in our minds. So he goes on to say, talking about how people who have uh, what he calls personal service business, In, in other words, you get paid for your time sometimes it's a challenge to get wealthy even when you're as he mentions like even lawyers accountants consultants who are not partners in their firm you're you're getting paid if you're getting paid based upon time alone yeah you can get wealthy but you limit your ability to make money because you have to be doing something for that money to be made this is one of the reasons why you know wealthy people are so big on businesses and investments because Those things can make money whether you're working or not. All right. He goes on to say, page 126, I'm not suggesting there's anything wrong with being in the personal service business. Just don't expect to get rich anytime soon unless you create a way to duplicate or leverage yourself. Now, uh, Robert Kiyosaki talks about a rich dad, poor dad, about the four ways to make money. He calls it the cash flow quadrant. So you just made a a plus sign and you put on the left side, left top corner, E, and then on the left bottom corner, S, on the right uh, top corner, B, and the bottom right corner, I, you would see that on the left side is people who basically use time to make money employer, employees, in other words, you have a job, and you're trading time for money. Um, And those people are taxed the most, et cetera, et cetera. So it's hard to maintain a level of wealth. Then there's the S, which is self-employed. And self-employed means people who are skilled, uh, you know, dentist, doctor, lawyer, whatever, et cetera, but they still have to work or a small business owner. That's the other one. I forgot. I I don't want to forget that. Well, you can end up working a lot of hours, but if you're not working, you're not making money. So, you know, so a person that's in the store working themselves for 12 hours a day, 14 hours a day as a small business owner, yes, that can work, but you got to realize from the Robert Kiyosaki model, that's not the best way to make money. Well, let me rephrase that to become rich. You know, um, on the other side is big business owner which it takes a long time many times to get to that stage but that's where you see the people who have the who are the wealthiest people tend to be big business owners and then there's i for investors people who are you know investing in you know you know mutual funds you know the stocks bonds all that other stuff and real estate etc cetera, uh, corporations so according to robert kiyosaki Wealthy people tend to function on the right side of the quadrant. So even if you're, you know, so even if you, you, now that doesn't mean you can't be an E and be an investor or be a S, which is self-employed or small business owner and be a an investor. But he's just showing where the tax breaks are, where the um, the psychology of wealth exists is on the right side. So what T. Harv Ecker, to go back to our book, is stating is, we have to find ways to leverage what we need to do with our money. All right. And and then he talks about people who say they're not being paid for their worth. And then the question comes into play by whose opinion? Because if you're not, because you know, if you're on a salary treadmill, you're allowing somebody else to make a judgment. And again, I understand this personally for myself. I got a job as well. Um, You know, And I'll be going to be doing and do other things. Because what I realize and what this book is saying is the moment you put yourself in a position where somebody else can determine your wealth, you've given away power. If you believe that you're worth more. Now, here's the thing. are, Are you willing to put your skills to the test? Because I consider this sort of like American Idol. In American Idol, when that show was very popular on in the United States. People watched the show primarily at the beginning because they would like to see the people walk in who couldn't sing and then have that embarrassing moment. Now, here's the problem. A lot of those people walked into those rooms with those judges really believing they could sing. And everybody that was watching and and everybody that was in the room could see, okay, this person has no vocal talent. doesn't mean they're bad people. I mean, they're wrong. It's just, sometimes you just don't have vocal talent. Now, they put their stuff on the line and discovered, okay, either I need to do something else or I need to figure out a better way to be able to do this or increase my ability to sing, work on my voice or whatever that might be. When we are looking at life based upon results, in that time, we can reevaluate all of this and ask ourselves some honest questions around: Am I getting paid my worth? What am I? What am I? What's my ability to produce? Because here's the thing: If you're in a space, even at a job where you can't, where you, where you feel though, based upon results you are producing well above what you get for your salary or hours or whatever, then you might want to take a look at either figuring out how you can do it yourself or going somewhere else where they will pay you what you are worth based upon your results, not your opinion. I can't say that strongly enough. Based upon your results, and I'm saying that as a person who, since my early 20s, I have I have always managed people and people, sometimes people's self-perception about their worth and value to the company, not as human beings, not as children of God, not as spiritual beings living in a spiritual universe governed by spiritual law. I'm talking about it. their results, their skill set, their ability In a context of an organization, sometimes people are delusional. Exceptionally delusional. Exceptionally delusional. Because it's easier to hold on to the delusion than face the fact that you can't produce the results that you think you can. It's sort of like... um, I want to say it it's sort of like what Mike Tyson used to say. Everybody has a plan until they get hit in the face. A person says okay I can handle I can I can run with the big dogs until they discover that they can't hang with the pack. Sooner or later you got to go right back to what Jesus stated by their fruits you will know them. Jesus didn't say you will know them by the bark. Jesus didn't say you'll know them by the tree limbs, by the fruit. How do I know that's an apple tree? Because apples are growing on it. If not, it's just another tree. You know, so I just want you to recognize that. So, back to the book. He goes on to say, page 127, I too encourage you to work for yourself, start your own business, work on commission, get a percentage of revenue or company profits, or get stock options. Whatever your vehicle, make certain you create a situation that allows you to get paid based on your results. Personally, I believe that everyone should own their own business, be it full-time or part-time. The first reason is that by far the vast majority of millionaires became rich by being in their own business. Secondly, it's extremely difficult to create wealth when the tax man is grabbing almost half of everything you earn. When you own a business, you can save a small fortune in taxes by writing off a portion of your expenses for things such as your car, travel, education, and even your home. For that reason alone, it's worth having your own business. All right, and he covers some other stuff, um, like you know people who, you know, get into the sales business. He talks about people who do network marketing, and I would say if you do that, please be careful. Um, there's some people out there that are legitimate, and there's some people out there that's some that's not as on the up and up and it's real true pyramid schemes but here's the advantage of even a network marketing process what you'll discover is what you think you're good at you might not be good at and it's lower risk if you all go out and you invest a whole bunch of money time quit your job or whatever to start your own business you don't have the skills you literally put in your life in jeopardy versus getting connected with somebody who has a system that has a selling system that has a product line that has a, a methodology and learn how to do business on a smaller scale on somebody else's time. In other words, for that small investment, for you to sell whatever the juice or pill or vitamin or whatever it is that you would be selling, you can learn systems. You know, because it's important to recognize that if you have the systems, then you can learn or become educated in what it means to be a salesperson. You know, I've bumped across people who um, who've been in network marketing who have no selling skills, and I'm like, okay, this doesn't work. Or they feel as though they can only talk to their small network of family and friends, and so when the family and friends say no. Then they get discouraged versus going out into the world, creating websites, creating social media posts, you know, um, uh, being, you know, creative with that strategy, et cetera, et cetera. So why am I sharing this? I'm sharing it because if that's the message you're going to do, don't be in your feelings about it. Get the methodology because the overwhelming amount of people who connect to network marketing will not see any level of demonstrable wealth. I think you can look at the statistics about that. There are some people who do it, they get in early, and most of the time that's because they got people underneath them and they're getting a percentage of what they do and who they bring in and all that other stuff. I have no judgment around that. People, If people know what they're walking into, then God be the glory. What I'm saying is, as Robert Kiyosaki wrote in the book, Before You Quit Your Job, Leverage the knowledge that you get out of being involved with one of those type of programs like network marketing. If that's what you're going to do, look at whatever, is say say for instance, $200 to get in. Figure out how you can maximize your knowledge, not just the money. I don't want to say just, but not only money. Why? Because knowledge is transferable. Really get that. And you can learn the skills, talk to the high achievers, talk with, find out what they do, find out how they organize their lives. You know, interview the people that are involved with the process, find a way to get plugged in. That don't mean you got to fly across the country and show up at every um, seminar, workshop or or conference event but you can lock in on getting what you need to get out of it instead of just, oh, I found the next new thing and I'm about to get rich. Uh, Find out the system, start asking different questions because success leaves clues. And sometimes it's not the thing you're in, it's the consciousness of the people above you and it's it's their life strategies. This is just one of the things that they're doing, probably amongst many things. Bottom of page 128, he wrote, in the end, the only way to earn what you're really worth is to get paid based on your results. Wealth file number 12, rich people think both, poor people think either or. So he goes on to say rich people live in a world of abundance, poor people live in a world of limitations. Again, if you go back several shows, you'll see that he's just talking basic generalities. All right. So he asks a question. He, he presents a statement and a question. From now on, when confronted with an either or alternative. The quintessential question to ask yourself is, how can I have both? This question will change your life. Because what ends up happening is the questions that you ask will determine the answer. So when you say you can have this or you have that, then you're pondering. Instead of saying, how can I have both? How can I have both? I want to make a lot of money and I want a lot of free time. How can I have both? Not either or. I want to have a lot of money and I want to be able to cultivate my spiritual nature. How can I have both? How can I have both? I want to to make a lot of money and I want to take six vacations a year partially some with my family, some just by myself. You say, but I have a job. I have a responsibility. I have children. The moment you start having those conversations, you're blocking off the flow because you're not even contemplating what's possible. How can I have both? How can I have both? Now, (laughs) let me just put this out there because this thought just came to my mind. Like, uh, if you're out there and, and somebody's listening to this, and you're looking at um, your, um, your 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 uh, spouse, and you're trying to bring somebody else into this situation, and that could potentially harm your life, then you might be careful about how can I have both. So that's my laugh and my joke for the day. Be careful with it. <laughs> anyway, uh, my point is this: we don't think about how can I have both. How can I have both? If you didn't get anything else out of this wealth file number 12, how can I have both? Is really the whole show. I want to, I want to, you know, I want to um, help my community and still build massive wealth. In other words, you want to volunteer and do all this other stuff and and show up for this and volunteer for that. How can I have both? How can I have both? I I know people who, who have figured out how to live on East Coast and West Coast and they're married happily because they both had one travels a lot. The other one has a business on the East Coast. The other one's base of travel is on the West Coast. And they figured it out. It wasn't, well, if I hook up with this person, that means I got to give up what I, I'm really passionate about doing. But they just chose Both. How can I have both? How can I have both? Will shift how you think, because now you're opening your mind up to the possibilities. This is what Reverend Ike was was saying when he would say, "God give me a million dollar idea, a multi-million dollar idea. God give me a multi-million dollar idea." I had you all doing that exercise. Probably, what, last month or something like that? I'm trying to remember these, you know, days of ministry just go by. I teach it and then I move on. But just ponder what that means. God, how can I have both? Now you're putting the divine intelligence on it. God, how can I have both? Spirit, how can I have both? Universe, how can I have both? Here's the thing when you get the inspiration after you've asked if you take no action you kill the possibility how can i have both just ponder that anyway he talks a lot about um a lot of different things in this chapter which i think are really good when he says, uh, talking about both money and why money is necessary, page 133 talks about money being freedom. He says, money brings freedom, freedom to buy what you want and freedom to do what you want with your time. Money allows you to enjoy the finest things in life as well as giving you the opportunity to help others have the necessities in life. Most of all, having money allows you not to spend your energy worrying about not having money. Then he goes on to say happiness is important too. And here's where poor and middle class people get confused. Many believe money and happiness are mutually exclusive they either you can be rich or you can be happy again this is nothing more than poor programming people who are rich in every sense of the word understand that you can have both just as you can have both your arms and your legs you can have money and happiness so in other words as he states a few lines down rich people believe you can have your cake and eat it too. So, just be mindful about the both. You can be loving and rich. You can be peaceful and rich. You can have time for your family and be rich. You can have time to travel and be rich. You can have time to uh, invest uh, in the things that matter to you, your passion and be rich. You're gonna be in you can be in a fantastic, loving relationship and be rich. You can be the world's best parent and be rich. You can be rich and still have your time. Now you say, Well, how how is that possible? Be still and know that I am God. It's Psalm 4610 states, or Psalm 91, he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall dwell under the shadow of the Almighty. You got to get still with your own mind, and you got to start contemplating, how can I have both? It's not either or. How can I have both? And really get present to both. So, anyway, let me get... Uh, go now because I realize I'm looking at the clock and like oh wow it's time to stop so we'll pick up on the wealth files that are after this one we're we're getting close to wrapping this book up and I might do some recap stuff after we finish it just to make sure that we get it Um, God bless you all go for it work the stuff get the book zero in on it do what you need to do and I'll be with you next week with Truth Transforms God bless you